Good to go. All right, I get to talk. I love it. I was, I was asking earlier where to stand because I saw that Red, um, you know, had to know where to stand. So I was checking and then I didn't realize they meant start talking. Well, it's good to be here and, um, and we are continuing to pray. Thank you, Jason, for that heartfelt prayer. And our hearts are with our brothers and sisters that God would heal. Um, I want to... I wanted to talk to you this morning um, and, and share from Psalm 34, and if you have your Bibles with you, uh, go ahead and pull them out, um, because uh, I'm going to share from Psalm 34 today. I'm in the New King James Version, so um, you can uh, follow along there, or whatever translation you, you uh, enjoy, they match up pretty well. So um, Last week when uh, Jason shared, I really appreciated um, the way that he articulated sort of these three sort of main generalized fears that people are dealing with. And what I appreciated about um, how Jason presented that was he was giving us an opportunity to show empathy to others. Because, you know, in the same way that if we pray for peace but we don't pray for justice, then peace becomes hollow. And in the same way, if we're trying to comfort people and, and empathize and understand one another, but we, we actually don't have any respect for someone else's viewpoint or the perspective that they have, then we really aren't able to show empathy. We're not able to love our neighbor and, uh, in a way that's satisfying for them because we're not even acknowledging that what they're concerned about or what they're looking at is even valid. So it's so vital for us to, 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 to look at that. And I, and I appreciated that. You know, um, the three kind of main general things that people are looking at right now. Number one is fear of the disease itself. You know, will I get the disease? Will someone near me that I love get the disease and I would lose them to death? And so, you know, there's that fear. Then there's the fear of uh, will the government um, uh, t- take advantage of this time and erode civil liberties? And will we see like growth of government and an overreach and an and a, and a undermining of our civil liberties as, as there are those that consistently um, apply that maxim of never waste a crisis? And so that's a, that's a valid concern. And then lastly, what is this going to do for the economy? What's this going to do for, for our provision and our ability to move forward? And, and many of us may, as he said, may be thinking of two of them, but maybe not a third or just one of them and not the other two. But it's valid for us to take a look at these and to empathize one with another. And then, of course, landing in that place, and and I want to reiterate that point today, landing in that place, as Jason shared last week, of that Jesus said, peace be with you, uh, because I am with you. I've won a complete victory, and that is where we stand. So, So how do we do that? How do we walk through looking at very real fears, very real threats, very real things that happen in, in real life, and, and yet still come through with peace? How do we hear those words, fear not, and then actually not fear? And, and, and I believe that uh, D- David gives us a fantastic treatise on this subject in Psalm 34. So I'm just going to start, and I want to share a few points with you as we go through it. But let me just dive in and, and let the scriptures um, speak for themselves. So the first thing we see in, uh, in verses 1 through 3 is this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So the first thing that we're going to do in order to be able to live in a time where we don't know what the outcome is going to be, in a time when we don't have control over a lot of things that we wish that we did, in times when bad stuff happens to good people, in times where we are looking at something and saying, wow, I actually, I've got some concerns, I've got some fears. 
And the first thing that we can look at is we can look at what David tells us is, first of all, start by praising the Lord. That we can, we can actually magnify the Lord. We can begin to praise the Lord. We can begin to talk about what he's done. I was just talking with uh, Doug Easterday the other day, and, uh, and he is an itinerant speaker, and he's actually um, had to file for unemployment right now because you cannot travel uh, recently. I mean, it's starting to open up, but most of the places where he speaks are missions agencies and youth with a mission. And so right now, that's all been shut down. So suddenly, he is without a vocation and, and in this pending, like, what do I do now kind of place. And uh, I did, I did, he gave me permission to share this, by the way. Um, but he was saying something that he and Donna have been doing is they're in this season of what will the next, what will the next steep step be? Where will provision come from next? One of the things they've been doing at night is they'll just take some time, take a page right out of the sound of music, and they count their blessings. They just start looking around and saying, okay, Lord, what can I praise you for that you've provided right now? And, you know, really, that's what David is saying, is he's saying, praise the Lord, magnify him with me, let's praise him together. Let's begin in that place, let's praise Jesus for what he's done, because you know what? What he has done is what he will do again. What God has done is a testimony of his character, and we know he doesn't change. So there's something powerful that happens for us in these times when we are looking at a whole bunch of things that we don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but we do know this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and God has come through for us every single time. None of us have a testimony that God didn't come through and keep his promises. But when we're in these times, we must actually engage our own heart our own imagination, our own voice, and start praising him and doing it with others. So we begin to thank him. We begin to praise him. So that's the first thing. In order for us to move forward with with peace, we actually have to praise the Lord. We actually have to engage with finding and thanking him for what he's done. And it it begins to stir things in us. It begins to point us back to what is true, what will not change, and the one in whom we hope. The next, let's go to verse four through seven. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear them. Fear him, I'm sorry. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. I love this. I love this. He's saying, I sought the Lord and he heard me. You, Lord, have delivered me from all my fears. So first of all, you know, for us as believers, we have to remember it's okay to admit that sometimes we're afraid. We can look at this and go, ah, I'm afraid, Lord. I don't know what this is. And in those times, as we're praising God, we're reminded right here by David that he's saying, I'm praising the Lord. I called out to the Lord in my time of affliction. I called out to the one when I was afraid, and he delivered me from all of my fears. Now, in these times that we're in right now, and this is a beautiful opportunity, by the way, for us to grow in our faith, to grow in our trust, to grow in our ability to be content when we don't have the amount of control that we kind of feel like we usually have. A lot of things are pending. And this is this opportunity for us to actually go to those places where we're afraid and say, Lord, how do I grow in trust with you? Is it okay for me to call out to you in these moments of fear? And the, and the, and the scripture is telling us, yes, call out to him. Call out to him because he will deliver you from everything that you fear. 
Now, I've noticed the thing about fear, and, and this is interesting, and I'm sure that you've experienced the same thing, but a lot of times what happens is fear moves very, very quickly. And, and I like this, this where he's saying, you delivered me from all of my fears. How many of you guys know that the enemy loves to come in and he loves to tempt us with fear? And what he likes to do is he likes to take this beautiful brain that we've been given, this beautiful imagination that God has given us for for creativity and for building his kingdom and for solving complex problems and for imagining what could happen with God. And he likes to co-opt the power of our imagination and get us to enter into what the scripture calls vain imagination of anxious thoughts, where we're picturing the worst case scenario in the future, where we're essentially picturing the future without Jesus in it. And he gets a lot of miles out of that from us, where suddenly now our imagination is like, well, what if this happens? And then what if that happens? And then what if this happens? And then what will I do? And when we, when we, when we sense that battle going on, and it is a battle, by the way, when we sense that happening, we have, to, we have to recognize that and say, Lord, I need to call out to you right now. And I need to say, Lord, wait a minute, hold on. First of all, this is a very real fear. It's not that it's an unrealistic fear, but I'm, but I'm grabbing that fear, and instead of bringing it to you and saying, God, I need you to move in this situation, I need you to deliver me from this fear, then we end up building on that fear and imagining all these different scenarios, and that's where we go wrong. This is the part where we're to be proactive, and we begin to praise the Lord, and then we bring our fears to the Lord and say, Lord, I am, I am concerned that there are those that are, are trying to overstep their boundaries in leadership, and they're, and they're, they're encroaching. Lord, I am concerned that, that this disease hasn't been solved yet, or, or the way that it's being represented, or what have you. I am concerned about the effects this will have on the economy, but God, you are the Lord. I bring my fears to you. I cry out to you, and I know that you will work for my good, no matter what. Now, he goes on, and, and I love this. He says, I, he delivers from our fear, but he says, the poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Now, catch this, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Did you catch that? You and I fear the Lord. You and I serve the Lord. Our whole life is in his hands. We have died and risen with Christ and we belong to him. And this scripture is indicating that when anyone attacks you, when the enemy attacks you, he's also attacking the angel of the Lord who is encamped all around you. Isn't that beautiful news? Think about that for a minute. That the enemy doesn't get to just attack you because you're God's people. So when he attacks you, he attacks the angel of the Lord. It reminds me of that, that beautiful, I believe it's in uh, Isaiah where it says, I will, I, um, the Lord says, if anyone attacks you, it certainly won't be my doing. And anyone who attacks you will surrender to you, says the Lord. And, and we need to remind ourselves in these kinds of times, it's like, okay, real things are happening. There are real attacks happening. There are truly uh, spiritual realities that are going on and there's, there's physical attacks and ec- economic things that are happening. But I know this, that whoever does attack me, is attacking the angel of the Lord, and the Lord God will defend me. The Lord God will work it to good. So even though I'm going through a battle, I know that the battle is the Lord's. Amen? So we grab a hold of that. Now let's uh, go to verse 8 through 10. And he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. 
Did you hear that? The scripture says that if you and I seek the Lord, we will not lack any good thing. It means that our future is bright. It means that even though we go through a battle, he has the outcome in mind, and you and I have a promise from the Lord that we will not lack. And so we remind ourselves of this. We come back and say, trust the Lord, O my soul. Boast in the Lord, O my soul. Boast in the good things that he's done. Trust him, be at peace. One of the most powerful things we can do is speak to ourselves and speak these promises. You know this is a living, two-edged sword. This, this thing cuts to the very motivations of our hearts. It destroys the works of the devil. It instructs us and empowers us. So when we speak these things to ourselves, they start to come alive and our soul starts to go, oh, thank you. Thank you for reminding me that the Lord will not leave me to my enemies. plans for me. The Lord will defend me. The angel of the Lord will defend me. God will make sure I lack no good thing. Let's continue on. Verse uh, 11, 11 through 13. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Woo, this, one's a, this is a good word for us right now, isn't it? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Right now is not the time to try to be the smartest person in the world. Now is not the time to curse the politicians you don't like or the leaders that you don't like or the policies that you don't like. When you do speak, do it with your utmost honor and respect and don't let your lips speak evil and curses because those that fear the Lord, we humble ourselves, we call out to the Lord, but we are known... For our language in the, in the New Testament, um, I'll, I'll pull a Paul and say it says somewhere in the New Testament, it says somewhere in the scriptures, it says that your words should be seasoned with salt and profitable to those who hear it. You and I are not to speak evil, wicked things. We're not to spend time spinning big stories of, of, of as bad as it could get, etc. We're called actually to point towards what God is doing and his promises, and though we can speak of something that has been done wrong and call for justice, we don't enter into gossip and slander and hatred and dissension. We don't do those things. So keep your lips from that. And if you've done that, be quiet. You remember that beautiful saying, right? If you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. Let your silence be a prayer. Amen? That's a Selah for me because I, I like to pretend I'm the smartest person in the room when it comes to the, the wordsmithing. I, I'm confessing to everyone. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So what we're doing is we're praising the Lord. We're trusting in the Lord. We're calling out to him. He delivers us out of his fear. And we're not speaking evil. We're departing from wickedness. We're not taking time to go in and double down on social media or talk a bunch of smack to other people. No, we're turning that to prayer. And then what we're doing is we're pursuing peace. We're pursuing shalom. We're pursuing the fullness and the wholeness of our own soul, of our family's soul, of our community's soul, of our city's soul, of our states. We're, we're looking to say, God, let your peace, let your shalom, let your wholeness come, Lord. That's the desire of my heart. And we're to be known as the people of peace, that we're seeking that. We're, we're known as those who seek peace. Verse 15 through 18 says this. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is, a, is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. 
The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a, have a contrite heart. Now, there's two points here, and you'll notice he kind of, he, he's, he's, he's like contrasting them. It's like, um, and, and here's the key parts of, of verse 15 through 18. Number one, you and I need to understand this in, these, in this moment, in this current moment, and every moment, but we're in this one. Remember this, his eyes are on you. His eyes are on the righteous, and not only that, but he hears you. God hears your cry. He hears your cry. He hears you, and he delivers you out of your trouble. He is near those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. We can come to him with our fears and with our brokenness and with our places and say, Lord, I humble myself and say, Lord Jesus, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. And I know that you're looking at me and you hear my cry. Now, this is very, very important in the midst of this as well, that he says his ears are open to our cry, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Why do we need to hear this? Because we need to understand that God will deal with evil. You guys are familiar with that phrase given to us in the scriptures, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. See, God is giving us both justice and mercy. And those that reject God, those that continually work against him, he will deal with them. You, you will look for them and they will be gone. It reminds me of one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 37, where he says, I looked for that wicked man who was spreading out like a green tree and he was continuing to, to explode throughout, throughout, I'm paraphrasing, throughout the city. And I looked for him and where was he? He's gone. That guy's gone. Where, where did he go? The Lord dealt with him. You and I need to understand that we don't need to be afraid of like, well, what will happen if evil people continue to gain power? What will happen if, if these things increase? Well, as we pray and humble ourselves, God himself deals with those things. And this is important for us because if that's not answered for us, then our own, they're, they're, our own intellectual integrity will keep us from actually engaging with peace because we go, but there's still a problem of evil. Of evil, as well, evil, I don't know who that is, evil. There's still a problem of evil. And we're able to say, no, God himself will deal with those who are wicked and evil and refuse to repent and turn. But, but I don't have to judge them. I don't have to worry about that because I'm calling out to the Lord and God will deal with that. And he's the same God who pursues justice and mercy. And whatever he's gonna do with those evil people, that's between him and them. But as for me and you, my trust is in the Lord and he'll hear my cry. Can you receive that? Verses 19 through 22, we're wrapping up with this. It says this, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Just say law that for a moment, okay? You and I are righteous. Because of what Jesus did, we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, okay? But it does say we will have afflictions. So as you're going through some battles, you're going through some hard times, you just need to know this. Don't worry about it. You are on the right track. God is treating you like a child. He is teaching you how to overcome in the midst of adversity. And you will have afflictions. Things will happen. So the fact that you're going through afflictions doesn't mean something's wrong. It means you're on the right track. It means that you're alive in this world and you are part of the kingdom of heaven. You're part of the kingdom of heaven. And many of those afflictions will you go through, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Oh, he's going to deliver us out of every affliction that we go through. It goes on, not one of them, I'm sorry, he guards all of his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, 
and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. There's, there's God again saying, I will deal with the wicked. I will deal with the wicked. You keep your eyes on me. I will bring you through your afflictions. I will deal with the wicked. You keep your eyes on me. You don't speak evil. You keep praising me. You keep calling out to me. You keep pursuing peace. You let me deal with evil. And then finally in verse 22, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Did you catch that? The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. You and I will not always be in the place that we are right now. We'll not always be fighting this particular battle. No matter what we go through, no matter what we come, come through, no matter what comes against us, he will redeem us in due time. So first of all, it's okay that you're going through afflictions. That's appropriate. He's forming Christ in you through those afflictions. He's working all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. And that's you and I that have chosen him and chosen Christ. And now Christ is being formed in us. But these afflictions will come to pass. They will pass. And here's the promise of the Lord. He will redeem us in due time. He will redeem your soul. He will redeem your life. Karen and I have been praying and as I was getting ready to speak to you today, one of the things that we have just been hearing again and again and again, and it is this. We really believe that the word of the Lord right now is that you will come out of this season better and in a better position than you went into this season. You will come out of this season better off than you went into this season. Relationally, financially, emotionally, physically. Now, you can grab that word and you begin to declare that over yourself. Lord, I believe, and here's, it's legal. Here's the scriptures. It says this. He takes us from strength to strength and glory to glory. If we're faithful in little, we will be given much. He works all things to the good of those that love him. If someone attacks you, they're attacking the angel of the Lord. He wants to form Christ in you. And that is what he's doing. And he will redeem us in due time. But in this moment, you and I, we are not to be passive. We're not to sit back and passively wait. No, we're to call out to the Lord, praising him for what he has already done, knowing that he will do it again. Seeking peace and trusting in the Lord. Will you join me in doing that? Will you join me in those places? And I want you to, I want you to take this to heart. A lot of us, I, I believe struggle with this idea that we sort of like are going to have this moment or this understanding with the Lord and it feels great and it's like I had a revelation, I had a breakthrough and you did and that's great. However, the way that our faith works is that what we say and what we do and what we believe must be the same thing. Did you catch that? Our faith is shown by our works. Another good way to say that is our faith is shown by our rhythms and our actions. And our rhythms and our actions become our emotions. They become our character. Mahatma Gandhi said, be careful of your thoughts because they'll become your words. Be careful your words for they'll become your actions. Careful your actions for they shall become your habits. Careful your habits, they shall become your character. Well, all that he's doing is bringing definition to exactly how the kingdom of heaven works. Someone who doesn't accept Christ as the Messiah can still look at reality and say, wow, it actually kind of looks like this. Well, as you and I worship the Lord, as you and I praise him and meditate on what he's doing, as we pursue peace, as we glorify him and refrain from speaking evil and trust in him, as we wait upon the Lord, 
and allow ourselves to be humbled and seek him, we will see not only his word come to pass, but we ourselves will actually respond to the reality of his word and who he is physically, emotionally, and spiritually because we're actually practicing these things. So you can say, I trust in the Lord and my hope is in him and I praise him. But if you don't actually take time to speak out the things you're thankful for and sing songs, it says, sing songs to one another in hymns, comforting each other all the more as the day approaches. We actually do these things every day. They become your words, your habits, your character. And that's what he's actually calling us to do. So you are not powerless right now. You and I are called to walk through this season, allowing Christ to be formed as we embrace these rhythms. Go through Psalm 34 for yourself. Make that this week. Read through it again and again and practice these things. And you'll notice your mood changes, your vision changes, your your, um, expectation of this outcome changes. And the promise from the Lord is we will come out of this season better than when we went into it. May Christ be formed in you. Lord Jesus, let us act upon the words that you've given us. You said, Father, that faith without works, in other words, action, is dead. Lord, let us be people of both faith in you as well as actions so that your character can be formed in us. In Jesus' name we pray. And we thank you, Lord, for your beautiful promises. Amen. I love you guys. I cannot wait to be with you, God willing. Uh, next weekend, Sunday, we can be together, a hundred of us, hopefully. So just keep praying. Our prayers are being answered. We'll see you next week.